Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Let's pray. Father, we just ask right now in the name of Jesus that you fill this place with expectancy. Um, Lord, I'm asking that the momentum, I'm asking tonight that you would, that the hope of what could be would start dominating the fear of what might not be. God, would you stir up hopefulness? Would you stir up expectancy in our midst? And we just ask tonight that you'd invade this place with wisdom, a spirit of wisdom and revelation into a greater knowledge of who you are. Um, let us know the hope to which you've called us. Let us know the glorious inheritance we have with all the saints. But God, would you let us encounter and know the power, that dunamis, that power that, that raised you from the dead. Let us experience that power that is above every other power, that the name of Jesus is above every name in this age and the age to come. And would you truly engage us tonight and help us to train for when we, when we reign. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? So, as we jump in here, we're gonna read some verses, but one thing to understand when we talk about the king and his kingdom, it's kind of unfathomable to realize that Jesus, before he, was, he came into the earthly realm existence, before all of that, he existed as a king, right? Before he was ever born into the earthly realm, he existed as the, the cosmic king. And when you understand, so when Jesus descended in a sense, right, when he came off of his throne, Philippians 2 says he, he denied equality with God, a thing to be held on to. He, he didn't walk around as an entitled individual. He actually gave up his title. He gave up his position. He gave up his privilege, right, and descended into humanity. But what he brought with him, so he came from a kingdom, right? You guys with me tonight? So he came from a realm, came from a kingdom, and he descended into another kingdom, another domain. But he, he, he lived, he was born, when he was born as a teeny little baby in that manger, he was filled with Holy Spirit. And so when he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man, he, he lived from the kingdom, not for it. Does that make sense? So he lived from a dimension. He lived from a realm, even though he was in the earthly realm. And so he was never trying to get the kingdom. He brought the kingdom, okay? And, and so in bringing the kingdom, he was taught and trained by Holy Spirit. The apostle John in 1 John chapter two, a little bit later in the chapter, he says that we have no need that any man teach us. He says the anointed one in you, the anointing in you will actually teach you. And so have you ever been in those moments when somebody's ministering the word and you, and you know this, oh, the Holy Spirit's on it, something happens inside of you. Have you noticed that? Something kind of clicks. I call it our knower, like there's something in us that this knower in us, the Holy Spirit in us, and then he's, he's joined with our human spirit, and, and then you hear something from heaven, the heavenly realm, and it, it pings with what's going on in your knower. 
Have you ever experienced that? And, and when that knower, when it pings with heaven, something happens in you that, that sometimes you say, amen, right? Give me some of what you guys say when you feel that. Hallelujah. We have some, sometimes you, it hits you so hard, you, you feel like you spring up out of your seat, right? And that's actually good. Like to respond when that's happening is actually really healthy. And so Jesus came from a kingdom he brought a kingdom into the earthly realm, and how many of you know that that kingdom reality is superior than the earthly reality? And so when the superior hits the normal or the inferior, it shakes things up, doesn't it? And that's what we learned from the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, the latter part of the chapter, it says, we've received a kingdom that, that cannot be shaken, but when that kingdom come, comes, the promise is this, it's the promise that everybody needs but nobody wants. You ready for it? Whatever in your life can be shaken, will be shaken. It's the promise every one of us needs because some of the stuff in our life needs to get shaken up right now, doesn't it? And you know what that stuff is. That's why I don't believe preaching against all the stuff that needs to be shaken. I just believe in preaching from the kingdom and for the kingdom and let it do the shaking in your life. So I think most of you are aware, how many of you are fully aware of your weaknesses? And even the ones you don't admit to, you're fully aware of those. How many of you are fully aware of where you struggle in your sins? Where you struggle in your weaknesses? How many of you still sometimes willfully sin? Ooh, that's tricky. What do you mean by willfully? Is that, don't get theological on me. You know what you're doing when you do it. And you still do it. Right, and so what we want to do is magnify the king and the kingdom and let Holy Spirit shake you up a little bit. And the key is to not get discouraged when the shaking happens. Because as a kingdom follower of Jesus, you've well, when you signed up, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you surrendered to a rule. You surrendered to a reign. Makes, okay? And so in surrendering to that, you may not have known what you were surrendering to, but it doesn't matter. You surrender to it. And so just keep in mind when the shaking happens, you could misinterpret the shaking as rejection and start doubting the goodness of God. Instead of interpreting the shaking as a good thing that's necessary, and that's the promise, so that what gets shaken gets removed and what remains is not shakable. That's good news. So let God shake you up in this season. Let him do it. And Jesus came to his disciples in Luke chapter five and, and he just began to shake them from the very start. It says one, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, and we know that the scripture tells us the word that Jesus was preaching was the, the revelation of the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of heaven. Uh, he was standing by a lake of Gennesaret 
and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. We're in a season where God is cleaning up stuff. Have you guys noticed that? Right? And, and these guys, they've been, they fished all night. They've toiled later in the story we read. They, they toiled, they're exhausted. Then on top of that, they're not catching much. Okay, and we go through these seasons in our life when we've, we've, we've stepped in, we, we've tried to step out of normal and we step into something trying to follow Jesus and, and yet you're still not getting that catch you hope for and, and, and it says they're washing the nets and then in Mark 1.19, a parallel uh, passage to this account says they were mending their nets. And we're in a season where God is actually washing and cleaning our nets so to speak, he's cleaning stuff up. Okay, the nets represent a lot of things. It, it represents the mechanism we use to catch fish. These guys' nets were not attractive to fish for some reason. And so they're, they're, they're trying to wash away the previous night's work. And, and God is in the season right now of cleaning stuff up. And again, don't get intimidated by his cleaning methods. How many of you have had a long day, you've worked real hard, you get home, you jump in the shower, you went in grumpy and you came out, you know what I'm saying? You ever done that? You went in dirty, just in the natural. Have you noticed that's a cool moment when you just, it's like that shower has this power. That's, that's so cheesy. I didn't even try to be cheesy. I wasn't even trying to be cheesy and that's cheesy. <laughs> shower of power. Dose of the Holy Ghost, manifestation of salvation. But most of all, we need you. Do, 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 do. Israel Houghton, right? Remember that song? Maybe not. Okay. Some of you are like, please never sing again publicly. But there's something about when you get, when you feel washed, you start singing. You start praying. You know, some of my greatest revelations have come just when I feel like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it, it's this physical action that, that, that there's a transaction that takes place with cleansing. And you come out of that shower, you went in dirty and you went in grumpy and you came out feeling better. So that's in the natural. Imagine the spiritual when you learn how to approach God every day and let him just, you know, you don't have to confess your dirt. He, he, he understands it. It's helpful at times, but many times it's just learning how to receive, how to receive his cleansing without getting discouraged that you were dirty. You know, and then, then making a commitment when you come out of that, that shower to just not get dirty again. Because you just, dirt accumulates. Have you noticed that? And dirt attracts dirt. And, and God just is in the business of trying to clean things up. And then he's also trying to mend things. He's trying to heal stuff up because we're about to enter into one of the greatest seasons of harvest that's ever been in human history. We're already in it. And we get to be a part of it. And he just wants to 
a people that are, are hungry and thirsty for righteousness and are willing to let him do the cleansing and the mending. And we're in a season where God's mending and cleansing our nets. And our nets are gonna get real attractive. And we're gonna start catching fish like never before. I hope, is there anybody that can agree with me tonight on that, okay? So, Jesus has this way of showing up in seasons of frustration and exhaustion. It says here that getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And here's what I've seen in my own life and maybe you can relate to this, that I'm super comfortable with Jesus getting in my boat. You know, and sitting down and just giving me some good revelation and teaching me. I love those moments, don't you? But, but what I've found is that this next moment that, that's gonna take place, what I've found, we're cool with him sitting in our boat and teaching from our boat, but when it really starts getting interesting is when he finishes up his teaching and looks at Simon in verse four, and says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I, we're real good sometimes in church to like let him come in and give me a message and teach me, but we get uncomfortable when he actually wants to take over the whole boat. <laughs> Has anyone else noticed that in your existence? Like we're good, as long as he's, I can stay over here and do my thing, I can listen in while I'm washing the nets and he can use, sure, Jesus, come in and use my boat to teach from. But then, then Jesus gets in the boat and goes, hey, I, I just think about Peter, who's the son of a fisherman, and now a son of a carpenter. Is going, Peter, let's go fish. Let me have the boat. That's, that, see what I'm talking, that's a different operating system. He, Peter's been trained in one operating system, the natural, the earthly, and Jesus lives from a different operating system. So he speaks a different language. And that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, this learned Pharisee, he said, unless one's born again, you can't even see the kingdom. And that was a normal term in Jewish culture, to be born again. When you were baptized, certain washings would take place. It was this thought of being born again or reborn. And it, it perplexed Nicodemus. It wasn't a foreign concept, but, but he didn't understand it. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're missing it. You've been a teacher of the law all these years. And he's like, how can I go back in my mother's womb and come back out? All this confusion sets into Nicodemus. And Jesus goes, no, 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 you have to be born again of, of spirit and water. There has to be this transaction of another realm that, that you surrender to. The natural man, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, all that has hit the heart of man that God has prepared for them. The nat, he goes on and says, the natural man cannot interpret and decode spiritual things sometimes. And so we have to be born again. And once you're born again, you get this new operating system. And we're in a season since pastors encounter, have you noticed that we're in a, new, a different season, a different operating system? Now, how many of you know when you shift language and shift operating systems, it can, it can mess with your 
history. It can mess with your theology, can't it? It starts messing with your tradition. Because you, if you were here for a long time, you had a tradition here. See, I've got the best advantage. I showed up right around the encounter time, so all I know is post-encounter celebration. It's awesome. And then I see people that have been here quite a while before the encounter, and then they're still in post-encounter, and they're kind of like, they, their equilibrium's a little bit jacked up. And secretly, I kind of laugh. Some of you don't think that's funny. I, I, I think it's kind of cute because I think Jesus kind of loves messing with us. I think he loves poking at paradigms and theology and he just kind of loves poking holes in systems. Because the system's not necessarily the issue, but system can turn into something you never thought. It's like Frankenstein, right? He, he was looking for a companion of sorts and that thing he created eventually can jump off the table and try to kill you. And we fortunately have a pastor that's humble enough and hungry enough to like allow God to shake him up, knowing the ripple effect is we're all gonna get shaken up. Okay, now that's good. But it doesn't feel good sometimes. I just believe in being honest. I, I think these guys were totally cool with Jesus teaching from their boat, it's probably an honor. But as soon as he stepped in that boat and goes, hey gentlemen, let's go do something that you normally don't do. Let's go fish in broad daylight. I, I, there was that moment and Peter has that moment. Look at this. Simon answered, master. It's actually a good start with this whole kingdom thing. It's a good start. Title's a good thing when it comes to Jesus, right? A good title to start with with Jesus is master. Just say it out of your mouth, master. And he says, master, you don't understand. We, we've toiled, literally, we, we're exhausted. We've, we, we've toiled all night and we took nothing. And this is the dilemma, that when you're encountering revelation that, that shakes you, when you're encountering a different side of Jesus, that whole lordship, that whole master side, it messes with this other side that, that majored maybe on the grace and mercy side. Does that make sense? Like, because most of us are so messed up before Jesus, we need tons of grace and mercy, don't we? Like to even feel like you could approach God. I remember that first time I encountered God and his love, I felt so disgusting going over to the place where we were gonna go to this Bible study. I, 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 you understand, I felt like there's, there's no one, hate, God hates no one more than me. And, and then, you, you know, but, it, it, but going through the door and, and hearing the word of God, it took tons, I needed tons of mercy and grace. I'd done so many bad things and I'd hurt so many people. And I didn't know, when you're not saved, when you don't have the spirit in you, you have nowhere to get rid of your guilt. 
Man, he shows up into your life and those are the comfortable moments, man. He shows up in your boat. He just kind of loves you and hugs you and, and welcomes you and puts new clothing on you and fits you and dresses you up and, and puts you in your right mind. But then there's those moments where he gets in the boat and goes, I'm taking over everything. There's been times I've stopped when people have seen them struggling with changing their tires. I will, I will stop and try to help sometimes. And, and uh, I, 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 thought, I thought about pulling over one time and I couldn't imagine, if, you know, she's got a tire issue and I go, let me get under the hood. Could you pop your hood for me? We come to Jesus with flat tires and he's going, I wanna overhaul the whole thing. You thought your issue was the tire. No, the issue is actually under the hood and we gotta pull up the hood sometimes and let him get in there and mess with you. We gotta stop bringing flat tires. Let him overhaul. Man, why not just let him overhaul everything? It's just so much easier. Then there's those feisty little things that you don't want to let go of, right? Because they don't want to let go of you. Those are the tough things. And the even harder things are good things. God starts messing with your good stuff. And that's where we got to learn this, this whole master, this whole king thing. It's real important to learn how to surrender even the good stuff into his care. It's hard to believe that he's better at managing our lives than us. It just is, in function. If you're really honest, it's hard to believe that he can manage your life better than you. It's just a difficult thing, and so he's just messing with these guys from the very start. He's trying to shift their mindset. See, if you can shift your mindset, momentum can shift. But it starts with your mindset. It starts with your heart being transformed, right? And so, and, and he goes, this is a great place to start with everything kingdom. I don't get it, I don't understand it, but it doesn't matter. At your word, because you said it, because you've actually said something over my life, because you actually said it, I'm gonna dare to step into, I'm gonna dare to respond, I'm gonna dare to just do what you said to do. Because Peter's got that dilemma, the fear of something not happening. Every altar call, that's every person that responds to an altar call, they usually face that fear, I've done it before. I've already gone down there 50 times. And then you try a different prayer person. That prayer person didn't work. <laughs> then you add oil to it. Right? You know what? Maybe communion will work this time. Maybe I need to get baptized again. Right? It's just natural to like... Those are all wonderful things, but, but you're, you're trying to get something from it. He's the source, he's the, 
That person is, even though they're filled with the Holy Spirit, the most anointed people on the planet could be praying for you. But, but only he is, is the, he, do you understand? He, if, if we can help you connect with him, that, I feel like all I am is one of the four guys carrying one edge of the mat. Just, you know, just carrying people, trying to get all the, my job is to get all the lies and the rubble out of your way so you start hearing the voice of God and just drop you at the feet of Jesus. That's it. And then just walk away. So hopefully if I'm preaching something, it unravels some of the lies you believed and hopefully stirs up some hope and hopefully gets you to the point where you want to receive from Jesus. But that's really all we can do. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus and being at his feet and going, Master, let it be done according to you. If you say it, that's why you keep going up for prayer for healing. That's why you don't back away. Even if you never get it in this age, there's something about doing it in this age, even if you never get it, that, that translates into the next age. Still with me? But at your word, I'll let down my nets. At your word, I'll do something that makes no sense. I'm willing to ditch all my years of fishing experience. I'm gonna listen to a carpenter. Somebody that knows how to build. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. What changed? Same boat, right? Same water, same nets, same baiting tactics. Worse fishing conditions. H how do these boats and these nets move from, from, from being repellents of fish, right, to now being the most attractive thing on the planet to fish? And the, the obvious answer is, is, is obviously Jesus is in the boat. And so when Jesus is, the, is in the boat, that means that the manifestation of the kingdom is in the boat. He's demonstrating the possibilities of an individual. See, Jesus is the prototype of a new man. Where are you? Who just yelled, come on? I'm gonna preach to you. He's the prototype of this new man, right? Fully man, yet fully God, but decided that his godness would not be a thing he would operate from when he was on the earth. And so he would jump into boats fully expecting to be backed by heaven. Only did what he saw the father doing. So obviously father had given him a mission. Hey, I want you to go over here. I want you to go by the sea and I want you to pick this boat. And I want you to teach from that boat. And then I want you to commandeer that boat. And I want you to take, I want you to take these guys out into the deep. They've been playing it safe for way too long. And, and 
we play it safe because we're afraid of God not showing up. So we keep it manageable so we can actually fulfill the prayer we prayed. We pray these safe little prayers. Lord, if it, if it be thy will to anoint me and heal me, praise you, Lord. But I understand if you don't, Lord. You know, the Israelites would always keep their high places. They would clear everything else out at times, but they'd always keep this just in case God. Just in case Yahweh doesn't show up, maybe this inferior Elohim will. So let's keep that place of offering. I will. See, there's always that just in case God doesn't show up plan. Abraham had it. And you can manufacture an inferior promise. Man, there's been so many times I've manufactured an Ishmael. The whole time thinking God blessed me with an Isaac. And I look back and I was like, that was all my own strength, all my own ego, all this, all this, all this. You don't even realize you're doing it. You don't even realize you're playing it safe. We've been so trained by, see, here's what I've noticed. When there's dysfunction in our lives, and you, you, you ever been in a stink, who's ever been in a stinky environment? I'm talking like in the natural, like a real stinky environment. Have you noticed the longer you stay in it, it doesn't bug you as much? You first walk in and you're like, dry heaving, right? I've got a violent dry heave. I've scared more of my children with my dry heave. But it's like the more you live in dysfunction, the less it bugs you. And you don't even realize now you're intoxicated by dysfunction. It's just you're normal. And then Jesus shows up and goes, there's a new normal. And then guys like me get up here and preach about this new normal. And then sometimes we hear that new normal. And we're like, yeah, but you don't understand. I've already tried that. I'm exhausted. And without even realizing, you've slowly you've slowly walked into the pattern of passive aggressiveness with God. You get passive with them, you retreat just a little bit here, a little bit there, your passion, you know, because you can play it safe. That way you don't get hurt by God. I'm telling you, it'd be better to step all the way out into the deep and him not show up than to stay in your normal place of self-manufactured blessing. It would be better to get up every day and risk than to stay in normal. Because what if this next prayer time is the moment of breakthrough? And because you pouted a little bit and got mad at God, you didn't go back? 
I don't know how all of it works. All I know is that there's something about persistence that breaks the judge down. There's something about somebody showing up every day and bothering him that finally the, the judge goes, all right, verdict established, go ahead. You're wearing me out. When was the last time you wore God out? Not with your worrying prayers, but with your prayers of the word that's already been spoken over your life saying, Lord, you already spoke this over me. Fully expect you to show up. We gotta become a people that's tenacious. That's willing to look the enemy right in the face and go bring it. Bring it, even if he doesn't. See, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Even if our God doesn't deliver us, we are not gonna bow down to an inferior mindset and an inferior philosophy. We're just not. He's spoken, if you're married, he's spoken a word over your marriage. When you made a covenant with your spouse, whether you knew what you, I didn't know what I was doing. I stood in a Catholic church with my wife. I think I was still drunk. <laughs> Father Simple was his name. Just a little dude. He got drunker than I did at the reception. That's a whole other story. I didn't know what I was committing to. I had no clue what I, I made vows that there was no way I was gonna keep. But after 24 years, God kept his end of the covenant. See, I love my wife and she loves me, but she's fully convinced that God is better at managing my, at managing my life than she is. I never even tried to manage hers. It's just a better effort, man. Just don't even try. Because they're way smarter, way more intuitive, and they listen way better to the Holy Spirit, and they obey a lot quicker than we do. What if we stopped trying to manage each other's lives? What if he made the covenant with you and he who is faithful, who promised, is gonna follow through on the covenant even when you guys didn't know what you were committing to? You understand what I'm saying? What if he's actually able to carry you through even when you can't? See, because here's what faith is. It's trusting more in his ability to lead than your ability to follow. I don't, I can't follow him good enough. Even in my most romantic periods with Jesus, which is really weird for me to say, when I'm just hot, passionate for Jesus, you, we know those moments where you're like, anything's possible. I just love you, Jesus, praise you. Even in those moments, I can't follow good enough. But you know what I've learned? I've learned to lean into. His ability to lead me is way better than my ability to follow. So let's just get in the yoke with him and just let him lead it but that requires surrender, which is one of the hardest things for a human to do. Our whole nation was birthed with a spirit of independence. 
Every year, do you realize how obnoxious it is every year to celebrate? Now, I'm not cutting military, listen to me. Here, don't, here's what I gotta just, I'll just shut up. Because I'm gonna get in trouble because there was lives that were, get, blood was shed. I get, I, like, I don't wanna demean, that's totally legit. Like, we gotta obey our civil government. I totally get that, but there's something that's bred inside of us as, as Americans, this thing of independence that makes it really hard to surrender to a king because we always elect a president. We think we have a say in it and then in this kingdom, you got no say in it. Except nevertheless that your word master will do it. I'm just being honest. Please forgive, I, I don't want to offend anybody. How, who served in the military here? Let's keep your hands up, stand up. Everybody else stand up because there's, there's some, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I, yes. They understand what it means to risk on behalf of people they don't even know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a wrong independence. I praise God I've got it. I love that I have freedom. But the biggest trick with freedom is learning how to steward it and not use it for your own flesh. That's the hardest part about freedom. See, this is what Jesus is trying to retrain the disciples. They lived in captivity their whole lives. And now he's trying to train them how to live from a place of freedom. That's why people, when they get incarcerated for a long time and they come out, they have so much trouble adjusting to freedom. The Israelites, when they came out of slavery, 400 years of bondage, it's hard to adjust to freedom. Is God really this good? Could it be that he's this good? And that's what Peter's battling with. The kingdom shows up. The boat starts sinking. The catch is massive. Everything they've ever dreamed for, they now have it. And look at Peter's reaction. They, they, the boats are sinking. They signal to their partners to come and help them haul in the catch. And they came and filled both boats and they began to sink. Both boats start sinking. That's a catch. And by the way, in this season, if we... Get, let the Lord deal with our nets and we get our nets right, he's gonna bring strategic partners. He's gonna bring people into your life and he's gonna bring people into our lives like he is right now. And Because when the anointing's in the boat, when Bethlehem, the house of bread, when the bread is back in the house, when the house, when the bread is here, which represents the presence, if the presence is in your boat, if the presence is in your home, if the presence is at your work, do you understand? If the presence is there, it attracts others. You wanna know what makes you relevant to young people? The anointing of God. Not your dress style. See, I, I, I love wearing these new long shirts. This one isn't really long. I love it because it hides, you know, when you get, you used to lift a lot and so those, those, those things shift. But I've found, like when Clay and those guys wear the long shirts, they look hip and trendy. When I wear them, they look like pajamas.
But when Simon saw it, the the most frustrating season, season of his life, God shows up, Jesus shows up, the kingdom shows up, he sees it. His reaction is to fall down at Jesus' knees and say, depart from me, I'm an utterly sinful man, O Lord. It's proof that kindness always leads to repentance. Somebody get that, it might be important. I always feel like in those moments you need to answer and say, what's the Lord telling you? Probably something prophetic. It's, it's God's goodness. And if you've walked away from the goodness of God, if you've doubted the goodness of God, tonight has to just be a reset for you. It's just a lie. He's good. He loves you, but he also, he really likes you. He, he Jesus wasn't, he's not bound by our unbelief. He's not bound by our sin. He's bound by a covenant that was made with his own blood. And the Bible says he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. Never. It's hard to believe that. You know, we're talking about spiritual family a lot. Have you noticed that? We're a family. Well, the truth is probably 50, 60% of you come from broken families. Then we go, we're building a family, and you're going, family? Family? But we gotta be willing to ditch the dysfunction of past family and embrace the family. Right? We, we gotta be willing to ditch all that. We gotta stop being bound by previous generations' mistakes. Because the truth is, and, and this is really important, the people that hurt you most, you can assign all the blame you want to them, but you also gotta realize, even when they gave their best shot and the enemy gave his best shot, God still brought you through it and you wouldn't be the person you were today, so you gotta assign some, some good blame to the reality. See, if all you live is in the bad blame game, you're gonna be a victim for the rest of your life. When I was sexually abused when I was a kid, Okay, I didn't ask for it, no one protected me. I was fully exposed and fully let, it just happened. But you know, because it happened, I thank God that it happened. Because now I can pray with people that have gone through abuse and I've seen so many miracles. Are you kidding me? And so even that person's sinfulness manifested in goodness. So I assign good to them. That, do you understand? I, they were an instrument that sounds really weird and twisted. But we, this isn't a coping me- mechanism. This is a reality. If your parents did not do what they were supposed to do, that gap left you having to become who you're supposed to become. You never would have become it without that test. But if you think God abandoned you through that, it affects your prayers now. Just because he didn't step in doesn't mean he wasn't there and doesn't mean he doesn't love you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. 
I don't know what it means, but I do know this. He never leaves me, he never forsakes me. And when I was his enemy, he loved me. So how much more he must love me now that I'm his friend? Jesus just ignores his self-condemnation. Did you know that self-loathing is still self-love? Some of you didn't like that. Self-loathing is self-love. It's bad love. You can only love others like you love yourself. To be over fixated on self in any area is called self-love. So you think you're doing yourself a favor by beating yourself up in the presence of God or in the presence of others? Loathing yourself, you're calling something that is extraordinary common. You're taking something that he deemed salvageable and salvationable and recreatable and you're calling yourself dirty and filthy and disgusting. Do you understand? It's, it's, a, it's a bad form of love, but it's still self-love. At some point, you gotta lean into the Father and go, perfect, let your perfect love begin to cast out this inferior version of love. We're getting a little bit too deep. I, I feel like we need to move on to some more shallow stuff, like your four steps to better communication tactics. The fruit displays what the root is. Jesus always got to the root system. He said the ax is laid to the root. He ignores his self-loathing. Can I encourage you? Jesus is not impressed with your greatest prayer of repentance. Psalm 51 is the almost unbelievable prayer of repentance. Created me a clean heart, oh God, right? Renew in me a steadfast spirit. If you ever sin, just pray Psalm 51, it's beautiful. But, but even that is not the mechanism of why he forgives you. He draws near to the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. The thing that you think is so disgusting, he actually enjoys fellowshipping with you. And he goes, uh, for, for all that he had done, they were, they were astonished, verse nine, and James, John, the sons of Zebedee, and their partners, Simon, and, and Jesus just gives them a little word. Hey, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be gonna be catching men. <laughs> Talk about different operating system. You guys can't catch anything in the natural, but I'm gonna entrust you to catch men. What God wants to do in this hour is not change your circumstance. Look at your neighbor, right now, one of them, and say, did you know that God is not interested in changing your circumstances right now? Did you know that God's not interested in changing your circumstances right now? 
Look at another neighbor and say, but he is really interested in changing you. Because some of you are praying prayers for God to change your circumstances and he's not answering because he wants to change you. And he wants you to grow in your capacity to live in your current circumstances so you can be entrusted with different ones one day. I recommend two weeks off of praying against your circumstances. Stop speaking to Jesus about your storm and start speaking to your storm about Jesus. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. What? So they get their dream catch. Everything they've wanted their whole existence as, as fishermen. They get their dream catch. And he goes, give it away. See, I'm, this is just Brian Schwartz. I'm convinced that that big group that showed up to hear him teach needed to be fed. There's no way Jesus is just leaving a bunch of fish there to rot. What happened to two boatloads of fish? This is how the kingdom works. It's catch and release. God gives you a child, one day you're gonna have to release him. God gives you money, you're gonna have to release it. God gives you friends, you're gonna have to release them when they sin against you. God puts you in circumstances to train and test you and develop a capacity on the inside of you that never would have been developed in what you think would be greener pastures. Because God is really interested in development right now, not just deliverance. I'll say that again. God's really into development right now, not just deliverance. Because development requires follow through. And follow through requires persistence. And he wants to train a people, equip a people to be the storm chasers in this region. That when storms hit, we go into them instead of running from them. When issues show up, we believe we're the solution. Because just like Jesus was fully convinced when he got in that boat, this boat's gonna be attractive. Everywhere you go can become more attractive because you're there, because of who's in you and who's with you. Even on your worst day, you're stronger than the enemy. You just are. I think what really freaks the enemy out is when you're having your worst day and you still show up to the boat and you just kind of laugh at him. 
I think it freaks him out when a person has gone through testing after testing after testing and still gets up every day and praises the Lord. I just think it freaks him out. At the end of the day, our weapons are supposed to be divine. Worship team can come, come back and we're gonna worship a little bit and try to get you home early tonight. And I don't have some big altar call other than just do something different. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so sorry, Jackie. You're young, you'll get over it. Seriously, just do something different. Go deeper. What do you got to lose? Except pride and indifference. Just do something different this week. In your marriage, do something different. With your kids, do something different. It's not too late. That's the awesome thing about the kingdom. It's never too early. It's never too late. You're right on time. The kingdom timing is just right on time. Like he never looks at your past. You're never defined by your past with God. Have you realized that? Like your past does not define your future with God. This moment right here can though. Just do something different. Get away from the shore of safety. See, see, if you're close to the shore, you can bail real quick, but when you're out in the middle of the lake and a storm shows up, you either gotta get up and rebuke it or you gotta strain and go harder, right? Both are developmental. I wish there were three steps to make this easier. There just aren't. It, just, it starts with just, okay, step number one, let them in the boat. Step number two, let him teach from the boat. Step number three, let him take over the boat. Step number four, let him take over the boat. Step five, let him take over the boat. Step six, let him take over the boat. Step seven, just do something different. Obey some of the things he's already told you to obey. Confuse the enemy this week. Do something different. Change up your game plan. Maybe you, gotta, maybe you don't even have a game plan. Start with one part of the game plan. Start somewhere, just do something different. Do you get the point? Do something different this week. All right, let's stand to our feet. Has your dysfunction become the normal? What are you gonna do about it? The stuff that used to be stinky to you, now it doesn't really bug you that much, what are you gonna do about it? You see what I'm saying? Like, what are you gonna do about that? It may mean getting out of some environments you've been going into. You understand, it's gonna require doing something different. I think it was Ben Franklin, right? We always use, a, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It, it really is kind of insanity, yes. I, I quite frankly just think it's stupid. I've done it. 
Sometimes you just gotta do something different, do something radical. Step out in the deep. Maybe you need to, when we worship here, maybe you need to do something different in worship. Maybe God's gonna give you a word for somebody sitting right next to you. Maybe you need to do something different. Maybe you need to give away what he gave you. You see what I'm saying? Maybe we need to stop being so stingy with the catch. I bet some of you got some serious catches under your belt and you just haven't learned how to give them away. This is a catch and release kingdom. If you got something good to share with somebody, give it away tonight. Don't leave this place till you give it away. If you're here with a spouse, say something different tonight on your way home. Driving home with your kids tonight, do something different. It's funny, my kids always seem to want Chick-fil-A after Wednesday night service. I'm gonna do something different tonight. We're gonna go home and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Hayden's like, no. Father, no. You got a bad temper? You got anger in your heart? Do something different this week. You're controlling it in here. Don't tell me you don't have self-control. Do you see what I'm saying? No, you just have given yourself permission to be that. You, you gotta do something different this week. When you're tempted to yell, just whisper. Or better yet, just be quiet. Seriously, be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. Just do something different. Just obey the word of God, just do something different. Tempted to lust this week? Do something different. Set your eyes on something else. We have self-control. In this environment, we have self-control. See, but this environment can go with you out in that environment. You can have self-control out there. And Holy Spirit can teach you. Just every day, surrender. Get in my boat, please, Jesus. Please, take over my boat. Take over my boat. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.